Amen. We want to go from here to there. That is, wherever God is, that's where we want to be. Amen. I heard someone say the other day, uh, man, I'm going to build my forever home. And I, I thought about that, and I thought, well, that, that's wonderful, because if, if you're thinking, you're thinking we build our forever home by following after the Lord Jesus Christ and by the works that we do, and we build that forever home. But that's, that's not what they were talking about. They were talking about, you know, the place that they were going to build here. I, I want to let you know, I don't have a forever home here. Amen. I've got one up there, and that's the one that I'm working on. How about you? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. All of you balcony people, it's so good to have you. God bless you up there and all of you down here. And, and would you welcome our online audience as we just say, boy, we miss you and we love you. <clears throat> Last several weeks, we've talked about going from, from here to there. And God calls us to walk a walk of faith. But I'm going to challenge you this morning because we're always growing, at least we're supposed to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. There's not those times that God provides in the scripture an excuse that says, hey, you get to pull over on the side of the road and just sit and be idle and do nothing in your spirit life. If God calls you over to the side of the road, it's to meditate and to pray and to build up your faith with the prayer language that God has given us. Every day, the Lord wants us to walk in the supernatural. But we don't think about supernatural things much. We're too busy living this life. We're too busy working and too busy doing whatever it is that we need to do, raising a family, etc. But I want to let you know, and what you have found out the last four weeks, every day, every season, we are telling a story, and others will tell a story as they come to find us behind us. So here's what we know. The decisions that you make today determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. Let me say it again. The decisions that you make today determine the stories that you will tell tomorrow. So what story are you telling? We know I talked to a minister friend of mine, and uh, this is what he said. He said, you know, with COVID, he said, church has become another option. He said, when less than most churches, 50% are going back into worship and those that do, they become so familiar with being able to see it online and being able to uh, see it by means of media. He said, it's become, okay, well, you know, uh, we could go today, but I mean, we're, we're going to be able to see it. So let's don't move around because he said it's become an option. He said, when in reality, for the church to accomplish its goal and its agenda, the church ought to be a priority. This is what we do. This is the Lord's day and we are in the house of the Lord. Now, how many of you know that one day soon COVID is going to pass? Amen. How many are praying to that end? COVID get out of the way, but you know what? I heard someone say the other day, I'm not going to let not living get in the way of my living. I thought, wow, what does that mean? I'm not going to let not living get in the way of my living. 
You know what that meant? I, I registered that. I thought about it. And then this is the conclusion. God, I don't want to be so sheltered, so hid, so under the cover, running for the rocks that I can't live the day that you have given me now. Amen? Walking in the shadow of Almighty God. So today, we're going to talk about how are you led by the Spirit. We're going to talk about the commitment to say, God, you're number one, and I'm going to live my life in an arena of faith. So if you say you're writing your story now, what is it about the story that you're writing right now in your life that you can say that's Christ honoring. That story has a lot of things in it that challenge me. And that story, if God doesn't show up and God's not in the picture, I'm going to sink. I want to tell you a true story, a true story about a friend, minister friend. He was in college. He was an above average student, actually 4.0, graduated from the secular university they went to uh, with honors. He was an individual that was not raised in a church family. They didn't look at religious programming. He said that I know we didn't even have a Bible. He said, nobody, Sunday was a wonderful day to just relax and do whatever it is that we wanted to do. He said, I started the usual when I was a teenager of smoking weed and getting involved and drinking all the time. My mom and dad uh, divorced. And so he said, I, I just, uh, I had personality. He said, I, I didn't have to study hardly for anything. And he said, I had charm and I was funny. And he said, buddy, I was having the best time of my life, just living life by chance. And he said, I got into the university and his, his degree is going to be in public relations. He thought that would really, really work. But he said about in his sophomore year, and he was in the fraternity, of course, sophomore year, he said, I mistreated a lot of people. He said, I would put a person under the bus just to be able to to look good, put them under the bus just so my joke would work. I pull pr more pranks on people than you would, you would imagine, and there was no boundaries. But he said something began to happen to me in my sophomore year at the university. He said, it's kind of like my, my sins, though I didn't know sin, were catching up to me. It's like I'd hurt so many, many people, I had to keep cultivating new friendships. And if you got to the place that you didn't want friendship with me, you were just a jerk, and I would say that. He said, my mouth was foul with language. But he said, that began to catch up with me. I didn't understand what it was. And he said, as a result of that, just that little tap in my heart and on my shoulder. I didn't know how to explain it. But he said, I got, I got curious. He said, I heard a couple of gals talking about their Bible study and how wonderful it was to get into the Word of God. And he said, I, I, I didn't understand that. I just heard it and didn't pay any attention to it. He said, then one day, all of our pranks and our misbehavior and our fraternity were the wildest fraternity on the university campus. The administration informed us if change was not made right now, that they were going to boot our fraternity off the campus. He said, that stunned us all. We needed that fraternity, which gave us a, a playing card and almost anything that we wanted to do. So he said, 
what happened. He said, I, I remember the conversation I heard those two girls talking about a Bible study. He said, so I got with a few of the guys. I was vice president of the fraternity. I could have been president if I'd have wanted to, but I didn't want it. He said, so I went to a couple of the friends there and he said, you know, we're going to start a Bible study. They said, a Bible study? What do you mean a Bible study? How, how in the world can you start a Bible study? You know, you, have you ever been to one? Nope, never been to one. Don't know what it means, but must involve a Bible. And they said, we can't have a Bible study. He said, listen, the trouble that our fraternity's in, we need a good public relations move. And the last time I checked, if we can convince them that we now have a Bible study, it will, it will keep our fraternity from getting booted off the university campus. We're going to have it in my room, 7 o'clock Tuesday night. That was about Thursday or Friday. He said, well, Tuesday afternoon rolled around and I looked and I thought I'm going to my last class and it dawned on me, man, tonight is the night I call for the Bible study. He said, I never talked without using language that was uncomely. He said, and then it, then it dawned on me, you don't even have a Bible. He said, I was running late. He said, on the campus, I decided to take a shortcut to the class he said, I took that shortcut and he said, I looked up and there's one of those little four pole tents and there was an elderly gentleman standing out there. And as I began to walk by, rushing by, he held out a little green, what he called a Bible. It was a Bible. And he said, son, would you like a Bible? I'm from the Gideon's organization, and we'd be delighted to get you with this Bible. He said, I thought to myself, I just said I don't have a Bible, and then all of a sudden, I'm walking by, and this old geezer is handing me a Bible. He said, that is really, really strange. Now, he says later, I'm here to tell you, I believe that old geezer was an angel that God placed there to give me my first Bible. I took it. He said, finish the class. He said, seven o'clock. The guys began to pile in my room, several others. And he said, I said, all right, we're going to have a Bible study. He said, I got a brand new Bible today given to me. He said, okay. One of the others spoke up and said, well, I brought my Bible. He said, let me see your Bible. You see, he said, my Bible was about this big and about that thick. His Bible was about that big and black, and it was about that thick. He said, I must have got an abbreviated Bible. He said, no, my Bible has Genesis. He said, my Bible doesn't have Genesis. What is Genesis? He said, Genesis is the first book of the Old Testament. He said, you have the New Testament, which starts with Matthew. He said, that old geezer ripped me off and gave me half a Bible. But he said, I didn't know what to do, but I called the Bible study. He said, I began to read in Matthew 1. It was boring. I read Matthew 2. It became a little more exciting. And he said, I thought, wow, this is interesting. He said, I went through the book of Matthew. He said, the Bible study ended and I stayed up late and and I read Mark, and I read Luke. He said, and I read John, and he said, the thing that really upset me was, wow, this is crazy. 
In Matthew, this Jesus, he said this Jesus was crucified. He said that was a neat story about how he was crucified. And it says, and then he was resurrected and came back to life. He said, wow, he's some kind of a man. And they said, the Bible's supposed to be true. He said, I read Mark. He said, I read Mark. There it was again. They re-crucified him. And he was resurrected again. He said, I went to Luke. And they re-crucified him again. He, he said, I thought, man, you ought to learn the first two times that they crucified you and you rose from the dead. And now you got a third time that they're crucifying you. He said, I did not know that each one was a book written from the mindset under the anointing of God that Matthew had his viewpoint, Mark had his, Luke had his. He said, but Jesus was only crucified once. I found that out and he rose from the dead. He said it was absolutely unbelievable. He said something was happening in me that I just could not, I could not explain. He said I kept reading and I, I got to the place that, wow, something began to stir in my heart. The next Bible study, he said we had it again. I was a little more ready. I'd read over there into Ephesians. He said, and we said, somebody pray. He said, hey, I didn't know what praying was. Almighty God, if you're up there and you have ears, hear me. Yay, 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 I say unto thee. He said, my other fraternity brother prayed, oh God, please don't let my girlfriend be pregnant. Yay, I say unto thee. He said, the other one spoke up and prayed and said, yea, I say unto thee, we have a party this weekend. Please don't let us get caught of all the things that we're going to do. Don't let anyone get pregnant and don't let us get so stone drunk that we don't remember what's going on. Yea, amen. He said, those were the prayers. He said, I know now that we were praying amiss. That, hey, God didn't have to answer any of those prayers. He said, but when I got to Ephesians 2, he said, here's where it said, you are saved by grace and not by works. You're saved by grace and not by works. He said, I realized that my whole life have been a life where I'd received grace. There are very few things that I ever did in my life that I got caught on. I was living for me. But he said, I thought, you know, I'm saved by grace and not by works. I came to the realization that something in me was about to burst. And he said, I found out it was conviction later which is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit, identifying a need in my life that God wanted to fix. He said, wow, that's unbelievable. Right then and right there, the story that I'd been writing dramatically changed, and I was absolutely ignorant 
of anything in the religious realm. He said, the story that I had been telling in my life was one of chaos and it was all about me. But the story that I wanted to tell was the story that I came to the realization that God wanted to tell through me. He said, I made it to Hebrews. And he said, it said in Hebrews 12 too, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of my faith. He said, that was unbelievable. It was Jesus who is the author. Then he said, I put it together. I put those times that Jesus was crucified. And he said, I realized he authored my salvation through his death. And he gave me something that I could not work for. It's called eternal life. When he was resurrected, unbelievable. He said, my life dramatically changed. Now, let me give you an Old Testament story. It is a story of Abram and Sarah. I'm going to refer to them henceforth as Abraham and Sarah. You see, we refer to them as those individuals that we know. In Genesis 12, 1, it says that God spoke to Abraham or Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Abram said, hey, I was worshiping the God of Nanor, a moon god. I don't know whether that meant that Abraham would go out in the middle of the night and howl like a wolf to the God of the moon, Nanor, individual. and just, That was the God, a false God that he was worshiping. He became sidetracked. And as a result of that, all of a sudden, in the midst of his worshiping a false God, Jehovah waded in on his life. Listen carefully. You'll never be away from the power and the influence of God's desire to do something in your life. Did you know that? You will never go too far. You will never do anything too bad or too nasty. But what God can't walk right in and knock on your heart's door and say, I want you to begin to write a different story. You're going to go from here to there. So we know that God spoke to him and he could have rationalized it away. He could have said, well, what, what do you mean? What do you mean to, to do? Leave my father's household and go to a place that I'm not familiar with. And God said, yeah, and here's my promise. It's in Genesis 2. And it says, I will make you. You obey the command. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. I want you to leave your father's hand. I want you to go to a place that you know not of and yet we find that God spoke to him and said I will make you many nations. Abraham said excuse me please. You, you're mistaken. You call the wrong number. You see, my wife, Sarah, I'm 70. We've been trying to have children. She hasn't had any kids. If you're going to bless any nations through us, you're not going to do it through some gal who cannot have a baby. And not only did you know that, 
You said they're going to come. We have zero kids that would relate to your promise. And there's going to be nations coming out of us. You see, friend, it's important for you to remember God wants you to want what he wants. And God has a desire for you to rise up in your present life and say, what is it right now that God is doing in my life that shocks me? What is it that God is doing in my life that will have to be a step of faith? What is it that God's doing? You remember that God said in the word, Jesus spoke of the churches, spoke of the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2. He said, here's what I need you to do, church. I need you to renew your first love. I need you to renew your passion. I need you to renew your commitment and go ahead and be about your father's business. You've drifted over here and become cold. Wake up. You see, COVID has given many in the church world today the perfect ticket to be comfortable. The perfect ticket to go to sleep. What did Abraham do? Genesis 12, verse number 4, it says Abraham left. Abraham left as the Lord told him. So right now, in this room, in that balcony, online, what is God saying to you? Have you ever missed God? Have you ever been stubborn? Oh, you're a believer, but you just didn't do what God said. Have you ever given God an excuse for something that he says, I want to develop you? Have you ever hid a talent that God gifted you with and you just haven't used it? And here's, here's what happened. You see, it's always easier to stay where you are when you really don't know what you're doing or going. But with Jesus, he says, we walk in God's word by faith, by faith. Many people refer to God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Say it again. Many people refer to God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What if Abraham would not have gone. Simple decision. He had every excuse. We've had no kids. We can't get pregnant. And God, you come on the scene in the midst of all this, and you're telling me that, hey, when people bless me, I'm going to be blessed. If they curse me, they're going to be cursed. And all the work of trying to have, and we haven't had a lick, even a whimper of that promise being fulfilled. But the minute that Abraham took the step of faith, knowing that commandment said you're going to go where you don't know anything about. That's you. God wants you to experience opportunities and promises and places and ministries that you don't know anything about.
You know what? Today is the day of busyness. You and I can be so busy taking care of the family, taking care of all the things the kids are engaged in, and taking care of the jobs. But listen carefully. There is a Savior who has nail piercings in his hands who has said to you, show me what you're doing. That is a story that I'm telling through you. When is the last time you testified about something that I did? When is the last time you took a step of faith and walked out of the routine into the arena of the supernatural? When did that take place? Because the reality we now know because Abraham obeyed. There was an Isaac and there was a Jacob who would not have been had Abraham not exercised his step of faith. Abraham would still have been worshiping Nanor. Wow. Some of you have those talents and abilities. Some of you have financial resources that you have never written a big check. A big check. What do you mean by big check? Quarter of a million dollars. You have the resources. You say, well, I don't know anybody who's got that kind of money. Oh, no. I did estate planning for about seven years. People would come in, and I thought they drove up in an old pickup truck, rattling and all of that, and walk in here, and the best they got, and, and then I'd begin to inventory their estate, and I thought, good Lord, have money. <laughs> Look at the money this man has, this woman so you can't judge a person by their cover about anything in their life. Amen? But maybe God is speaking to you because you're planning your estate. Maybe God is speaking to you and you've never said, I'm going to go beyond my tithe into an arena that I believe God will be pleased with. Listen carefully, friend. Don't overlook the fact that if God has given you resources and you plant that in the kingdom of God, those resources will give dividends back to you and your family in your legacy in generations to come. What about this? Maybe God's impacted you to be a foster parent. Maybe he's been speaking to your heart about a foster child or adoption of a precious little innocent baby. When now as they move forward, the law is the child can be aborted, the full term of pregnancy, God forbid. Maybe God is speaking to you about that. Don't forget, God has a story to tell through you. So what does God want? you to want my friend Eric he's moving along now and he felt like I, I want more people to know what I have found or what found me he told some of his fraternity brothers that had gotten saved I want a t-shirt he looked at t-shirts and thought looked online I don't want those those play around too much. Some are just goofy. So he said, I'm going to make my own. He made one. Jesus 
is my Savior. He said, you want it on the front? He said, no, I want it on the back too. I want them to see my message coming and going. Jesus is my Savior. He went the first time into the cafeteria because many people were still doubting his commitment to God. Thought he was just pranking or found another avenue, avenue to save his fraternity. But he wore that t-shirt every day for weeks. Every day for weeks. Jesus is my Savior. He felt the nagging of the Holy Spirit pulling on him to start a prayer or a meeting or a church. He rented an old garage, two-stall garage, still had grease as thick as could be on the floor, cleaned it up. People started coming, and he thought, I want to go to the downtown square, and I'm going to have, I'm going to get some of my friends who know how to do music and some some that know the Christian songs. And he went to the downtown park, bought in some of his rock and roll buddies, and they played unbelievably. But then the worship singers got there, and they began to pray. He said, I began to feel something I'd never felt. And the reason I had never felt something that had anything to do with God, my antenna was not up for what he wanted. He said first 25, then 50, then 100. Then the cops had to come and direct traffic. Young people, single people, married couples began to come and worship. And he said it was unbelievable. God did something. He said someone said, well, have you been baptized? Well, what is that? What do you mean, have I been baptized? Have you been baptized? Well, what is baptism? He said, did you read John the Baptist in the Gospels? Yeah, dude. But there's no Jordan River around here. He said, you don't have to do it. You can get in a cow trough. We'll bring it down. We'll fill it up with water and you get baptized. He said, buddy, he's about six, two or three. He said, I got in that cow trough. It wasn't big enough. But here's one thing I wanted. I wanted to be sure that everything I had went underwater. Because God had a whole lot that he needed to do in my life. Why? Being obedient to God. You know the story of Abraham and Sarah. You know how that the child did come, Isaac. And there were blessings that blessed Abraham. And there's still blessings that are taking place today because of Abraham's obedience to Almighty God. Here's what my friend said. I would have missed one of the greatest blessings of my life had I refused to take the step of faith and go had I refused to make my life commitment public. He said, I now know the old geezer, I believe, was an angel. I now believe taking the shortcut of being late was God directing my path. I now believe that the trouble that our fraternity was in, God permitted 
for us to make a calculated move of a good public relations move. And God took advantage of it. He said, now I know that the stories that I'm telling are stories that bring pleasure to God written through my life. But the question is, what step of faith do you need to take? My friend did start a church. Then he started another church and another. He was the first individual to create satellite churches. This morning in his churches, that most of them you see on the screen of his preaching, more than 40,000 people were there last week to hear him deliver the message of Jesus Christ. May I suggest to you, God has something that he wants to tell through your life. The big question is, what will God have to wade through to get to the core of your heart to be obedient, to say, God, I'm yours. Father, I commit myself to you, and I ask you to tell a story through me that will touch the lives of those coming behind me. Let me be brave and bold in faith to be a follower, a true follower of making my story count for Jesus. Would you put your hands together and let's give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you because we know that you have spoken to us. And now that we've heard this message, we have to do something about it. We have to respond in some way. We cannot just turn a deaf ear. Oh, we can and expect you to be honored. We're going to have to pay attention. And Lord, whatever it is in whatever arena, it may be just have your family devotions consistently. It may mean that around the table from time to time you have talks about God answering questions for your children. It may mean, it may mean that you need to be more faithful in your own personal life. It may be that you need to take a giant step that will cause you to step away from that which you are familiar with. Step away from that which might be comfortable and give you security. That you're able to say, I'm walking by faith and not by sight. Father, there are a multitude of people. There will be thousands that will hear this message before the week is out. May every ear that hears, may there be a seed that's planted in all of our lives that we respond favorably to you. And maybe you're here and you say, buddy, I'm like your friend Eric. I really need to give God a fair chance. Well, you can be grateful that he loves you enough to even be convicting you right now. So I'm going to ask everybody, please, balcony, ground floor, those of you at home, to repeat this prayer. Here we go. Heavenly Father, 
I thank you for Jesus Christ. Father God, I submit myself to you right now. I exercise my faith and I confess my sins and I believe by faith that I am redeemed. Take my hand and let me walk with you. Let me tell a story that you choose to tell through me. I claim this as a promise. May there be people who come to faith because I am living my story to honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One more time. Put your hands. Let's really thank him. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God is good, isn't he? I pray you leave here today. and May there be a song in your heart. Did you enjoy worship this morning? Beautiful worship, I got to tell you. And you engaged, and I want to thank you for that. But let me encourage you. Go with this message. Take a look at it, you and your spouse, or maybe you and God. Talk to God about it. And say, God, what did you say to us? And I promise you, you'll see things that will blow you away in the near future as you act out of obedience. Amen. I love you, Victory Church. God bless you. Pray for our missions conference coming up. And let's believe that God will do great things. Amen. God bless you as you go in the Lord.